Thanks for tuning in to Upper Room, our Wednesday night service. This week, we'll hear from Easton Bowles. A few weeks ago, it's been probably close to a month ago, uh, Greg sent me and Sam and Glenn uh, Cockroft the text message and asked, hey, would you guys be interested in preaching a Wednesday night in December? And, uh, and we all three accepted. Um, and so... In preparation for that, a couple of weeks ago, me and Sam were talking at the gym, and we were like, you know what, maybe we could like coordinate these messages. I was like, so maybe you could do Mary, uh, stick with a Christmas theme. You can talk about Mary, I'll talk about Joseph, and then maybe Glenn could wrap it up with Jesus, you know, the grand finale of Christmas. And so Sam was like, yeah, I like that idea, let's do that. And as you know, if you were here last week, Sam preached about uh, Mary, not the mother of Jesus. <laughs> he preached about Mary Magdalene. Um, but I'm going to preach about Joseph, uh, not Joseph Magdalene, but Joseph, the father of Jesus. So uh, before I get into that, um, I feel like everybody here knows me, but maybe not everybody knows uh, my story. So just a quick short summary. Um, I'm going to give you a short summary of, of my call. Um, about two years ago, I was laying floor in McGee, Mississippi, and uh, I had been struggling with the call, or, or not necessarily struggling with it, but fighting it. Uh, for close to a year, and uh, I remember I was out laying floor one day, and I was texting my dad, and I was, uh, I was, I sought him because I was broken over the situation, but I was wanting him to say, yeah, you're not called to the ministry, bro, you're good. <laughs> That's not what he said. Um, so I, I kind of was arguing with myself and with God just to him, and um, one of my main arguments was, you know, I just don't want this to be something that's coming from right here. You know, if it's, if it's coming from the Lord, I need to know it's coming from him. Um, which was completely not a possibility because, like, I had no intention of ever standing up here in front of any of you tonight at all, ever. This is very, very intimidating. So this was not in my, you know, 10-year plan. So I told Dad that, and, uh, and he said, uh, God takes volunteers too. And whenever he said that, immediately the verse came to my mind, um, who can I send and who will go for us? And then said, I hear him, I send me. And uh, right there in that moment, I was in the warehouse of the flooring store, and I hit my knees weeping, uh, praising God, begging him to change his mind. And so I moved back home uh, to Forest, and, um, and God has given me mission opportunities and ministry opportunities. I work with the, with the youth on Sunday nights, and uh, I've been really blessed to get involved here. So whenever Greg uh, first mentioned this to me and Sam and Glenn, I started praying and seeking the Lord on what he would want me to speak on. And so I prayed over it, and I, and I, and I kept uh, seeking the Lord. And he, he gave me this verse right here. It's Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. And so this is just going to kind of be our diving board to get deeper into some scripture. So like I said, we're talking about Joseph, but we're going to look at the life of Joseph through the magnifying glass. So if you want to imagine this verse as the lens of the magnifying glass, we're going to study Joseph through this lens. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary, that's the wrong verse in grace. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Okay, there it is. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And that's, that's kind of what the Lord placed on my heart to study in the life of Joseph. And so after the Lord placed this on my heart, I began studying. And, uh, 
So we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. Now that's the right verse, okay. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took Mary as his wife, but did not have relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So, this is a passage that we look at every single Christmas. If you have family traditions like, like my family does, um, either on Christmas Eve that night or the next morning before we do the gifts and, and all the good stuff, uh, we'll read the Christmas story. And a lot of times whenever we hear this, you know, especially that first verse that I read, 18, uh, we hear it and we're like, man, that's so beautiful. That's such a nice, nice thing to hear, you know. Uh, most preachers read it and it sounds like something like, and Mary and Joseph were found with child from the Holy Spirit. And we're like, man, that's beautiful. Unless it's you, right? So just put yourself in Joseph and Mary's shoes for just a minute. So think about Mary is engaged to Joseph, not married. Um, and this engagement was a whole lot more than just the engagement that we think of now. Uh, and, and, you know, in today's culture, an engagement is easily broken. So if, you, if you're engaged to somebody, something happens, it's not a super big deal to break an engagement. But back in this day, the original word that was translated in the Hebrew was eruzin, which means a, a time period when the bride was becoming sanctified for her husband. So this is a time when they would prove their loyalty to each other. So not only was Mary pregnant with a baby out of wedlock, but it was not Joseph's baby. So the weight of this situation is really serious. And if you can just imagine, the, the, how did that conversation go between Mary and Joseph? Mary's like, hey, Joseph, so I uh, hate to break it to you, but uh, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, wait a second, what? And Mary's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's Jesus the Messiah. And Joseph's probably like, okay, bye. Right? So that's how I would have been. I'd have been like, yeah, okay, if you, if you say so, whatever. I would have bounced, right? I'd have been like, this girl crazy, okay? <laughs> she out of her mind, all right? But that's not what, it is what Joseph did initially. So, um, so this is a super weighty, weighty situation. And whenever I study this, this passage, and, and, and you know, later on in the passage, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, and he says, okay, Joseph, it's going to be okay. This is a baby from God. It is Jesus the Messiah. So when I study this passage, I find three things that Joseph has to let go of to deny himself and follow Jesus. So the first thing that I see that Joseph has to let go of is Joseph has to let go of being understood. So like I said, in this culture, to, to break an engagement with, with, with um, a baby out of wedlock, especially that of, of not the man engaged to her, was a serious offense 
uh, typically and traditionally, she would have been stoned in the streets where everybody could see. That was, that was the, the punishment for a sin this heinous as they considered it. And so if you would just imagine, you know, Joseph, if, if we can take a little liberty with Scripture and say, Joseph's friends and his family, they're probably like, hey, Joseph, man, you know that baby's not yours, right? Like, not only did you not follow tradition and, and take, care of, <laughs> take care of the situation, right? But you're going through with the marriage anyways? Like, what is wrong with you, right? And so Joseph had to completely let go of being understood to follow the call of Jesus in his life. And we can apply that to ourselves so easily today. So easily. There's, there's so many th things being thrown at us uh, in just our everyday life, at work, um, around family members who are lost. Um, let me give you an example. Hey, just drink this. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's, it's not going to hurt anybody. Hey, smoke this. It's, it's cool. It's not hurting anybody. Uh, what's wrong with this little white lie? A little white lie never hurt anybody, right? Uh, what's wrong with sex outside of marriage? It's, it's just between two people. It's not hurting anybody, right? And so the, the world tries to force so much on us, and, and, and we have two options. We can either partake to attempt to be understood, or we can reject it and be understood by Jesus. Amen. And so... Whenever we try to accept it, I want you to know something, something before I get into this, this next point. So, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now bear the name of Jesus. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you bear the name of Jesus. I don't know one person who got saved and they were like, well, all right, that's it, I'm good. As soon as everybody gets saved, they're like, yes, Jesus, right? They're fired up. We're excited about Jesus. We're on fire for the Lord. You let everybody know the moment you got saved that you were a Christian by your excitement and the way you lived for, and, and it's sad, but for some of us, maybe a couple of weeks, right? But the thing is, is you let people know. So as soon as you accepted Jesus, you, bear, you bore his name. You carry his name. And so this is what Romans chapter 2, verse 21, and 20, 21 through 24 says about those who carry the name of Jesus and accept sin to be understood. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit, to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. And this is some serious stuff. This, whenever I read this for the first time, it was a gut punch. It took my breath away. I was like, Paul. Paul's telling us that it's because of us that the Gentiles hate God. But it's so true. Whenever we carry the name of Jesus and we live like Satan, the world hates God and it's our fault. We have a counterpart to that. We see it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Peter says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. 
We're not called to be understood. We're called to royalty and righteousness through Jesus Christ. He's the one who has changed our lives and we forsake being understood by the world, by the world's viewpoint, and we accept Jesus and, and being understood and following Jesus. The second thing that I see that Joseph had to let go of, Joseph had to let go of his own plans. Um, Joseph, I feel like we can make the assumption that Joseph is kind of a small town guy. Maybe Mary is a small town kind of gal. Um, you know, <laughs> stop laughing, Sam. You're making me laugh. Sorry. I said gal. <laughs> anyway, so we can kind of make the assumption that, you know, they might not be just super high up on the, the socioeconomic list, right? And then we can, we can, uh, we can all agree with that we've heard the, the, the wives' tale, what is it, bad gas travels fast, is that right? Does that sound right? Does that sound right? Anyway, so what I'm saying is, is like maybe like things got around pretty quick. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. All right, maybe I just made that up. I don't know. It sounded right whenever I was seeking the Lord over it. But anyway, so Joseph had a plan for his life, and, and even before he had his plan set, his plan had already been a little bit made for him. Back in this day, uh, marriages weren't, people didn't marry out of love. People married out of arranged marriages. And, and Joseph and Mary's marriage was an arrangement. So, so Mary's mom and dad and Joseph's mom and dad said, okay, these two are going to be married. Um, not only that, but, but Joseph was a carpenter by trade, which means that either his dad or somebody close to him in his family was also a carpenter. So Joseph's life was planned out a little bit for him, but, I mean, you can, you can just think he was like, okay, so I'm going to be a carpenter in this town. I'm going to marry this girl. We're going to have a few babies. We're going to, have to live like happily ever after. You know, Joseph had his own plan. But here's the thing. Whenever Jesus shows up, he wrecks your plans. He wrecked Joseph's plans. We can see in Proverbs 16, 9. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And this is kind of a polite way for Solomon to say, hey, look, man, you can plan something, but God going to mess it up. And the thing is, is we have to, we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to be receptive of that. Let me, let me say it like this. So have you ever been in a situation and maybe a door opens? In the moment, you don't see it as a door opening, but maybe a door opens. And there's some things happen and you're like, God, what are you doing? Take this from me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to turn. And maybe God's like, son, I put that there for you. There's an opportunity happen, and you need to take advantage of it. We need to be receptive of God changing our plans. The third thing that I see that Joseph had to let go of, Joseph had to let go of the results. You know, whenever we talk about the Christmas story, and uh, there's so much that happens in the Christmas story. Uh, first and foremost, the birth of the Savior of the world. There's a whole bunch of prophecies that are being fulfilled, um, even up until the, the little, the little uh, gifts that the wise men brought and the shepherds hearing the angels. There's so much happening that, that we forget about Joseph. Joseph seems, in passing, as a very minor character of Scripture. He's lucky to make it out of two chapters of the Bible if you don't take into consideration that there's four Gospels, right? We just don't see a lot from Joseph. 
But Joseph knew the plan that God had for him because he understood that he was not to be understood, followed God's plan, and now he knows, hey, you know what? Maybe the results are up to God. For me in ministry, um, I, I feel like, you know, I look around this room right now, and Embrace Church has a lot of ministry teams. And I feel like a lot of us serve on ministry teams. So I'm going to relate this to ministry for just a second. So I know that in my own mind, whenever I first surrendered to the ministry, I thought to myself, okay, here's my little, little plan. Okay, if I don't have this title or this position by this time, then, then maybe I wasn't called to preach or maybe I wasn't called to the ministry. Or maybe you're in the children's ministry and you're starting out and you're like, okay, I'm going to be the children's pastor in three months. Right? But the results are not up to you. So follow God and trust Him with the results of your ministries. In Romans 14, 7 and 8, um, talking about the results of our life and, and, and trying to take hold of that and force the results. When we're not the ones who count the results, this is what Romans says. For we don't live to ourselves or die for ourselves. For if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. God is the ultimate uh, judge. He's the ultimate one who tallies the score for the results of our life. If we're following Jesus, Joseph followed Jesus, and he likely, most Bible teachers agree that he likely died in Jesus' early teens. You know, can this guy catch a break? <laughs> you know what I mean? But the thing is, is he followed God's plan, and he understood that the results were up to him and not Joseph, right? So whenever we're, we're following Jesus, we have to remember that the results belong to God. There's another man in Scripture uh, in the Old Testament uh, his name is Hosea. Hosea uh, was a prophet. And, um, and he was called to, to let go of the same three, same three things. So, Hosea, God spoke to Hosea one day and said, Hey, Hosea, I need you to go and you're going to marry a prostitute. And Hosea's like, he, he, he didn't say, I'm a preacher. I can't go do that. I can't even be seen where prostitutes hang out. That's not cool. But he let go of being understood, and he followed God. And so he goes and he looks for the woman that, that God has called him to marry. And he gets to the, to the place where he finds a woman named Gomer. And, he, and, and God speaks to Hosea, and he says, hey, that's her. That's, that's the one you're going to marry. And so he takes Gomer to be his wife. They get back home. They live uh, a couple of years together, maybe. They have a few kids. And then, and then Gomer decides, you know what? I'm not happy right here. And she bounces and she goes back into prostitution. So after a little while, God spoke to Hosea again and he said, Hosea, I'm, I want you to go back and I want you to, to find Gomer and I want you to remarry her. And so if, if I'm Hosea, I'm like, no, she had her chance, right? Like I pulled her out of prostitution and she didn't like it with me. But Hosea didn't do that. He let go of his own plan, and he went and he found Gomer. And whenever he found Gomer, whenever he found Gomer, she was on the, the selling block at the, the prostitution sale, or I don't know what you would call that. But she was being sold off for prostitution. And Hosea sees her, and he's like, I'm willing to pay the price. Hosea had to purchase what he already owned. <coughs> 
which was his wife, back. Whenever he did that, he had to let go of the results. He didn't know if she was going to hang around. All he knew was, is, you know what, I'm going to follow what God says. You know, I, th I think this is a perfect, perfect illustration of, of God and us. You know, if we can picture just for a moment Hosea as God, and that leaves us as Gomer, right? God pursued us. You know, the, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We were God's before He bought us. And yet we, we run from God and we run back into the, the sinful nature of ourselves. And Jesus, He sends Jesus to the world. He dies for us, paying the price price that we could never pay and then he offers us just forgiveness he's like hey I love you I want to pursue you he relentlessly pursues us